0: Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. It's a mind-blowing thing when you read the Scriptures and God reveals things to you throughout the Scripture that can become anchors for your life. You see principles all throughout His Word, and and that's why it's so important that we would connect to His Word. The Bible says in Psalm 119 that His Word becomes a... Lamp under our feet and a light under our path. You know, it, it's amazing. Those two words there have to do with, one, the, the, the lamp under my feet has to do with uh, those little lamps, just a little oil lamp that was just enough to be able to see kind of each step where you walk, all right? And so, you know, just, you can see step by step and a little bit by little bit. But then the light under my path is indicative of the sun, that lights up the way, that lights up the whole path. And isn't it amazing that the word of God, the Bible says, is, can come down to those small, minute little things that are just unto my feet, but also it's big enough and broad enough to light up the whole way of my life. And, and that's what the, the, the psalmist was talking about. Oh, what am I gonna do this morning? Pastor Troy, I need you up here. Come on, Troy. Don't get excited. Can, can I just tell you, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, like, like, this is not indicative of any one person, but I want to say something. I'm really getting tired of COVID-era church. Like, like, let me just say this to you. Let me, and what do I mean by COVID-era church? It has been a reticent, hesitant church with the governor. Ugh. okay, I'm done. I don't like a governor. I like to go fast. All the people were in front of me this morning. I came to church late this morning, by the way. I left the house late. I couldn't get here. You know, it took me like forever to get here. You know why? Because everybody in front of me was driving too slow in the snow. Okay, so did you know what the Bible says? Yeah. (laughs) In reference to what? Well, did you know it says that the truth shall set you free? Indeed. Do you know when I preached the? Truth of God's Word, I believe it sets people free. I do. Do you know I set people free last week? That's what I hear. Let me, let me see it first of all. How many of you were here last week? How many of you heard my computer story? How many of you went home and checked your computer? Don't lie. You're in church. Don't lie. we well, a lot more in the first service. Okay. Did you know that we had a great church service last week? We did. Jason McGinnis, Principal McGinnis. He texted me Sunday night. Left church mad. Angry. At you. No. <laughs> he was angry. He, he, was just, he said, buddy, I left church so angry today. I said, what do you mean you left church angry? What happened? What did I do? What happened? He says, I found out I had a headphone jack on the other side of my computer. I said, what? And I found out I had a headphone jack. I was sitting there, and you said that, and all of a sudden it dawned on me, I said, well, did you know you had power ports over there? No, I didn't know that either. He said, I'm so mad. I've had mine since February. Do you know how many Zoom meetings I have gone through uh, with my earbuds that couldn't get them to connect right? And if I had just plugged the headphone jacks in, I was so mad when I left there. I said, I'm free, Troy. That's very, very nice. (laughs) Did you know there was another person that found out that they had ports and a headphone jack on that side? Do you know who that person was? I do because you told me this already. Yes, but I'm going to tell you again. It was your dad? Your dad. He went home and found those things on his computer. Why didn't you tell him he had those on his well, computer? See, okay. You know how God doesn't always reveal everything to protect us. You ain't God. <laughs> but make no I, mistake about it. Let's not confuse we, you God. But in His image. I knew if I showed my father everything that computer could do, it would overwhelm him. So I felt that I just, you know, limited the information at the time. So so you think telling him that there were PowerPoints over here would overwhelm him after raising you? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Get out of here. Oh, I love to have fun. I-, I hope you like to have fun because it's fun to have fun. Okay. <laughs> Um, but it is amazing, isn't it? How the truth liberates us, how the truth sets us free. The fact of the matter is, finding out the truth about that computer has liberated my computer work. And I set Jason free. (laughs) I text him two days later, I said, Jason, I'm going down 17th Street and I'm busting a gut laughing about you. All right? Well, laughing about us because we're morons. But anyhow, I want to do a message today and I've been praying what to do just ever since I started talking about this other stuff because we did not do that in the first service. Um... But I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about truth, and uh, because I think truth is so imperative in our lives. I think we live in an era, I've said this many times, we live in an era in our nation right now where truth is a hard commodity to get. Um, We typically don't get truth right now from partisanship. We don't get truth um, necessarily from news agencies. We get agenda-based reporting we get narrative narrative tells a story with a particular goal in mind there's a left narrative a right narrative there's all kinds of narratives but the fact of the matter is what we really need is we need to know what the truth of a situation is because truth will do a couple of things in our lives number one how many know you can set your course according to truth all right how many of you have gps Most almost, of us have it on our phone, right? How many have Google Maps or something or maps on your phone, right? And and you can actually put that in there and it can set your course that you can go from here to wherever you want to go, right? And typically it's right. So it becomes the, the truth in my life, your life, becomes a north star by which we can set our lives. Truth also is a catalyst for change, how many of you have ever changed because of the truth of a situation or circumstance? Maybe you thought one way, only to find out the truth of a situation. All right? I've often said this to our pastors. I have say it all the time. When you are counseling with people, make sure you speak the truth to them. The truth of the word, the truth of the situation. And the reason we do that is a couple of reasons. Number one, this truth is the catalyst for change. People will not change without truth to set it upon. But secondly, if they're wasting your time, they won't come back. If they're not genuine about getting help, if they're not truly looking for help, truth will offend them, truth will tick them off, and they won't come back. And it's not your goal, that's not your goal, but if you don't want to change, and you don't want to hear truth, I don't want to waste time counseling. I'm not being mean. It's like I, I have people sometimes that they, they don't want to come to church, but they want to counsel. No, that's not how this works. You don't come in my office, throw up, and then not do maintenance in between. Okay? Truth is a liberating thing, truth is a catalyst for change, truth is a thing that charts our course. And yet we're living in a world where truth is a commodity. But I've been thinking about that and thinking about the Christmas season. And. It struck me that I want to preach a message to you this morning, and I hope I can make it make sense. It made sense to me, right? And I want to call it truth is here. Truth is here, that what we celebrate this Christmas season, what we are celebrating is the moment, yes, where Jesus came into the world. And I know we do a lot of things, happy birthday, Jesus, and all that, and that's all well and good. But how many know this is more than a a baby in a manger? How many know it's higher and greater than baby in a manger? Okay? And and so we always need to be able to elevate our thinking. And and so here's where I'm going to start this morning. I'm going to start at the 18th chapter of John. You know, that really well-known Christmas passage at the end of the book of John? No, I'm just kidding. All right, you're going to be like the first crowd. You're not going to talk to me either. Fine. Just fine. Here's what it says. So Jesus is on trial. He's about ready to end his life, go to the cross, and his life's about to be over. And Pilate asked him, so you're a king? Jesus answered and said, you say correctly that I'm a king. And for this purpose, I have been born. And for this, I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. So here they are. They're having a conversation. They accuse him of being the king of the Jews. Pilate says, are you a king? Jesus finally says, yes, I am a king. I was born for this purpose. This is the reason I came into the world. And I've also come into the world to testify to the truth. Now, let's go backwards now. Let's go to John chapter one. John chapter one says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, the glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. All right, how many know Jesus just didn't speak truth? How many know he was truth? All right, he didn't just speak truth, he was truth. How many of you know people who are what they say? How many know people who aren't what they say? Don't raise your hands, right? So let's take a look at this. So Jesus, let us understand this. According to what he told Pilate, said he was born to be king. Let us make no mistake about it. Jesus is king of kings, Lord of lords. There is going to be a day, one day, he's going to come back. He's going to settle. He's going to establish his kingdom forever. He's going to uh, uh, be Lord of all, king. He is going to be that, okay? Now, but it also says that he came to testify, which means Jesus was born to be a witness. So he was born to be a king, but he also says he was born to be a witness. And he was born to give testimony. Testimony of what? Well, we'll get there in a moment. A testimony. He was the walking, talking, and breathing witness of truth. What truth? What was he the truth of? How many know that Jesus is the truth of God? How many know he is the truth of what God looks like? He is the truth of how God thinks. He is the truth of God? There is no revelation of God outside of Jesus. Jesus is the manifestation of God. Jesus is. You want to know how God thinks, you read the Gospels. You want to know how God acts, you read the Gospels and you read Jesus. All right? If you're trying to get a revelation of God outside of Jesus, you are operating on a faulty witness. Right? The only way you're going to know what it's like to be married to P. Jimmy is by asking Penny. And she will say, It's glorious, it's wonderful. It's the best thing that ever happened in my life. I've been with you more than half my life. I'm so blessed. You guys want to help me? She could give you the true story, couldn't she? She could give you the good, and she could give you the uh, bad. It was bad the other night, I got to tell you. Let me tell you a quick story. I just got to, I just got to, just, oh. Ooh. Okay, long story short. Get okay, a big snowstorm this week, right? Big snowstorm, Paul. Big snowstorm coming. Let me get the plow truck out. I have a 1990 S10 Blazer with a plow on because I have a driveway that's about a quarter mile and like this. Okay, it looks like the Grinch coming off his mountain. So when you say you can't make it to church, I don't want to hear it. So I get it out, Paul. Put it away. It was fine. Put it out. Start it up. Get on the driveway. I got no brakes. Right to the floor. Oh, that's not good. How do I do? I whipped it into the grass so I wouldn't go down the hill and kill somebody. Okay. So I get it in the garage. going to work on it. Jamie Folk says, to me, ah, brother, I can, I, we can do that. That's no problem. We'll bang that out in no time. We'll put that, fix that brake line. We started on Wednesday. We finished Friday afternoon. We called Paul because we couldn't get those brake lines to bleed. Paul, what do we going to do? Paul says what Paul said. Paul's the exact words. Those things will make you a sinner. <laughs> Man, boy, was he right. <laughs> okay. Now, let me tell you the rest of the story. So now I'm like, oh, Jamie, it's no problem. We're working on Wednesday. We worked on it till 8 o'clock at night. It's no problem. I've got a Mahindra four-wheel drive tractor. I will plow the driveway with it, and I will salt it with the Lincoln because I have a big solder for the back of our vehicle, and it'll be no problem. So I get out there at 9 o'clock at night or something like that. I start plowing with the Mahindra. I get down over the hill, take a plow. I come back. I can't get up the driveway. No, I just bought this thing in the summer. I had a Steiner before that. I can't get up the driveway. It's 10 o'clock at night. I can't get up. It's spinning. I can't do anything. It won't go any place. Let me tell you something. It was not a pretty sight. I was not a happy camper. I tried everything, Paul. Everything. I tried to drag it up with a Lincoln. That didn't work. I tried the neighbor's driveway. That did. I tried everything, Paul. I was not happy at 10 o'clock at night. With gazillion people. So I come up, I, said, I finally I said to Eric, I said, man, get some salt, get some shovels. We got to figure out, I can't let this thing sit out all night. So I get up there, I go into the garage, I get salt, and I get a shovel. And I looked at that blazer sitting there. I looked at that tire that was off sitting there. <laughs> oh, no, I ain't shoveling anything. I put the tire back on, Paul. I'm plowing that sucker without brakes. That snow is going <laughs> to And I got in that blazer. Woohoo! Thankfully, the emergency brake worked. <laughs> There's a little trick for you. If you hold the handle out on the brake... The emergency brake, you can use it like a brake. Just letting you know, okay? Eric said, well, the first time you went by me, 30 miles an hour, I thought, oh, okay. Then he said the second time. But the third time, he said, I wasn't sure if you were going to live or not. All right? But let me tell you what happened from there, Paul. The truth shall set you free. Okay? By 11 o'clock, I'm done, and I'm not a happy camper. I just bought this stupid tractor in, in, in the summer. I called that guy the next morning. Hello, Harry, how are you doing? Like, listen, Harry, buddy, I don't know what you got, but you got to make me a deal. you got to create a deal. you got to find a deal because this thing's out of here and I need a Steiner. Friday morning, there was a Steiner sitting in my garage, Paul. I ain't never doing that again. It was not good. It was not good. I was, a, listen to me, at that moment, the witness of Penny would not have been really all that good about P. Jimmy. The witness would have been said, throw him in jail. He's a lunatic. Jesus was a witness. He was a, he was a testified. And who did he testify to? He was the walking, talking, breathing witness of God, right? Now, because, so you look at this. Here he comes, the redeemer, right? Let's take a look at Matthew. Matthew says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. All right? We've come to worship him. Now I want to stop there for a moment. When you come to a place in your life where you recognize the sovereignty of God, you will fall in worship. When you come to a place where you will recognize the lordship of God, Jesus, you will follow in worship. Many times we cannot worship because we have not been able to recognize him as Lord. How many know he is Lord? He is king. These magi understood from the stars and understood there was one who was being born king of the Jews. Now, you would think that at the moment in time, For centuries and centuries, the prophets have promised that Jesus would be born, the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ, the son of David, the redeemer, the prince of peace, the mighty God, the wonderful counselor, the one that Isaiah prophesied about. And this was the moment, and everybody would be happy, and everybody would be jumping up and down. This is the moment. Except it says Herod heard this. He was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. Now, I understand why Herod was troubled, but think about Jerusalem. So now the Bible tells me that the city of peace was troubled by the birth of Jesus. For centuries, the Jewish people had had prophesied and promised to them that the king would come. But now the king had come, and they were troubled. You know who lives in Jerusalem? Jewish people. Why was the city troubled, right? And Herod was troubled. Hmm. Let me take you to another scripture, and then we'll kind of work our way through this, and we'll get out of here by Christmas Eve. By the way, just a real quick question. What are the four things we do to bless the city? Everybody go... (laughs) Ain't that nice? Okay. I forgot to mention that earlier. Read the scripture. In Romans, Paul says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of the people who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. There's a suppressing. So first of all, let's talk about truth for a moment. Truth means that which is reality, that which is certain, that which is uh, truth in any matter under consideration. It is a what is true in things pertaining to God, the true notions of God without human reasoning, okay? So Jesus, the Bible tells me, is the certainty of God, that he was a testimony of the fact of God, the reality of God, what God was like, and the notion of God. So in Jesus, I've got this certainty of God. And yet, the Bible says that there are those who in unrighteousness suppressed the truth, which means to hinder or to, or, or to hold or to check a ship as if to hold it from its sailing, all right? And so I want you to think about this. So, so what does this have to do with this? Jesus came, the Bible says, full of grace and truth. Jesus said at the end of, chapter of John that he came as to testify to the truth. Right? And I'm going to say this to you. In our lives, we will hear the truth of God, and we will either embrace the truth of God or we'll suppress the truth of God. Because how many know sometimes what we don't want is the truth of God in our situation? Because have you ever got the truth and you didn't like the truth even though it was the truth? Okay? And so you'll either embrace it or you'll suppress it. There, there's many times where people take a, a part of the God's word, which is part of his word. They don't like what it says, therefore they suppress that truth of it. Or they distort that truth of it. And for us in our lives, we're going to embrace it or we're going to suppress it. Now, when Jesus walked the earth, he was born and he walked the earth for those 33 years. He had two chief opponents in his life, right? And who were they? They were politicians and priests, politicians and priests. Herod was upset. Herod was troubled. The last thing Herod wants is somebody to be born who's going to be the king of the Jews, all right? You see, political spirits suppress the truth of the lordship of Christ, right? Uh, okay, so who's Jesus? Jesus is Lord. He is king. He is the, the, the king. And now here is a political person who hears about this one who was born king of the Jews, and now he's going to suppress that truth by trying to kill Jesus. You know Herod? If you follow the Herod all through the scripture, you will find them always opposing the work of God. And you go in the book of Acts and you'll see it. You go other place. You see the Herod spirit that is always opposing and trying to suppress the things of God, right? And I thought about this. Political spirits have one goal: power. How do I get power? I want power, I want control. All right? And when they get that, they, they, they thrive on it, right? And so if you are now, Herod, you are in control. You are a puppet king put there by Rome. The last thing you want to hear about is a king who has just been born. And so what does he do? He tries to suppress the lordship of Christ. I want to say to you today, and I'm not going to go on a political rant in this message, but in our land, there are political spirits and, when I, and you say, well, define that. I'll define it as this. How many know there are principalities and authorities that we war against? And these principalities and these authorities oftentimes come through politicians and political uh, entities, and what they do is they're can to suppress one thing. They do not want the truth of God, and they reject the lordship of Jesus Christ. Because how many know they are under the influence of the prince of the air? All right? And, and so there is this suppressing of the lordship of Christ. Political spirits reject his authority. all right? Um, political spirits reject his sovereignty. How many know, he is indeed sovereign. He is Lord. He is king. all right? And, and we reject that. Political spirits reject his power for fear that it will disempower them. right? Herod, he's got a maid, he's fat cat on the throne. But if this dude comes, and he becomes king, and he becomes in power, it disempowers me. Political spirits reject his position for fear they may lose their position. There's no question in my mind that we live in a time where there are principalities and authorities that are working through the political realm in order to try to suppress the truth of who God is, the truth of the Lordship of Christ. They reject that. They reject his authority. They reject his sovereignty. And there are those who, if they got it, they would shut the church down. But how many know you can't shut the church down because the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church? Okay? But then, the other thing were religious spirits. That Jesus, these priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, the high priests. Constant opposition with Jesus. And what was it they were trying to suppress? The truth of his divinity. What was the one of the biggest arguing points they had with Jesus? That he indeed was the Son of God. And he was God. How many know that angered them, ticked them off, right? Because certainly this guy can't be God. There are religions today that are built upon rejecting the divinity of Jesus. How many know he was not just a God? How many know he was the God? How many know he was not just a teacher? Hmm? How many know he was not just a prophet? Okay, let us understand something. If your religion doesn't hold to the divinity of Jesus, it's a false religion. But a religious spirit tries to suppress the truth of his divinity. Religious spirits reject his divinity sometimes for the sacred tradition. One of the things that drove them nuts is when he, the witness of God, would speak truth that was against their tradition. How many know today that there are some times where God's truth will violate your tradition? Boy, we don't like that, do we? Like We like our traditions. And listen, there's a lot of traditions that are good. But if your tradition rejects the divinity of Christ... Get rid of that tradition. Religious spirits reject his divinity for the teachings of men. Do do you know how many things that the Pharisees added to the law of God? Do you know how many things they added in addition to what God said? Do you know we still do that in 2020? Do you know we still like to add some conditions to Calvary? Calvary needs no conditions. Calvary needs no conditions. It's not Jesus, his blood, plus your goodness. It's not Jesus, his blood, plus you giving enough money. Although you should try it. Go ahead. It's not Jesus, plus the blood, Jesus' blood, plus. You drink, you don't drink, you don't go here, you don't go there, you don't this, you don't. no, look, I'm not trying to advocate drinking, I'm not trying to get it, but I will tell you this very clearly, the Bible speaks against drunkenness. But we've made other things, we've taken things, and we've put them over here. What we need to be saying is, is it right or wrong? That's not the question, is it best? People say, Pastor, why don't you drink? Do you not drink because it's wrong? No, I don't drink because it's not best. We often find ourselves trying to figure out, should I or shouldn't I, whether it's right or wrong. No, what we should be saying is, is it wise and is it best? That's what we should be saying. But it's easier to say it's wrong. No, it's not best. It's not wise. What we do is we add teachings of men. Religious spirits suppress his divinity in order to protect him. I don't know why. I must have got spell checked. Portion. (laughs) Position. There are plenty of people in religious settings who are protecting positions. You see, Jesus was the truth. Jesus, the truth, was rejected by both the political and religious establishments of his day. He came as a testimony to the truth. He came as a witness of God. He came that he was the one that you could look at and you could get a certainty of what God was like and who God was like and how he talked and how he thought. Right? And even today, I want to suggest to you that while we live 2,000 years later, Jesus is still the truth. He is still the one who testifies to who God is. Right? We're living in a time when political spirits would still suppress the truth of God through Christ. There are, we live in a time where those who would, there are those who would blatantly suppress them for political gain. We're living in a time where some would seem to embrace them, but not really embrace them for political gain. Right? No. If you're a Republican, you got to play to your base, even if you believe it or not. Did I say that? Christians don't like that kind of talk. You think I'm picking on Trump. I'm not talking about Trump. I'm just telling you how the game works. Remember I told you before? It might be a left wing and a right wing, but it's still the same bird. Quack, quack. Quack, 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 Mr. Duckworth. (laughs) Okay, I couldn't resist it. Some of you are so serious today. We're living in a time when religious spirits still suppress the truth of God through Christ. And and, And many times they suppress this through false teaching. They can suppress it through partial teaching. They don't teach the full counsel of God's word. We don't hear the full counsel of God's word. I mean, no, that's a suppression of truth, even in the name of God. So, so here's my question. I've I'll, 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 got a few things to say, and I'll be done. So when Jesus came, what was the truth? What was the truth presented by Jesus? Well, we know he said, I came to testify to the truth. All right? And so here's the deal. I got six truths, six. I only probably take about 15 minutes on each one. Patty Bracken is nervously laughing. You're sucking up, saying, come on. Okay? This side is here saying, thank you, Jesus. We're close to the door. This is why we sit over here. (laughs) All right? It won't take long. Because you see, the fact of the matter is, there is a simplicity to this. And I'm coming back to a simplicity today for just a moment, if you'd allow me. First of all, truth number one. And this this is awesome. Truth number one, God keeps his promises. Listen to me, if you, get, if you get nothing else today, you have a promise-keeping God. For centuries and centuries and centuries, God promised a day that he would send his son, the Redeemer, into the world. In Genesis chapter 3 is where that promise began, all right? And how many know, sometimes he seems slow, but he always keeps his word. Right? And so now here they were, thousands of years later, from the day of from the day of Adam and Eve, when God said the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. How many know the seed of the woman was at hand to crush the head of the serpent? My God is a promise-keeping God. Okay, so so this 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 season, this Christmas season, you celebrate this one who came to testify to the truth. And truth, number one, is my God keeps his promises. And why is that important? Because if he kept his promise in the past, how many know he'll keep his promise of the present? He'll keep his promises in your life. And how many know if he promised to come back a second time, how many know that someday the trumpet's going to sound, the sky's going to part, and how many know he's coming back and he's not coming back to die on a cross. He's coming back to keep his promise. He's a promise keeping God. See, that was a quick point. Number two, God loves me. God loves me. God loves you. Listen, man. We always and I love to dig the scriptures and I love to look for deep revelation and I love all that stuff. But let us never lose the revelation of God loves me. Hello, yes, no. When He's not done, He's still talking. He's going on and on. I'll text you when I'm done. (laughs) All right. God loves me. This is what I know. I read the scripture. I look at the word. God loves me. How do I know? Because I see it through Christ. If you can't see the God of love through Christ, you haven't seen Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You, you, I, I, if nothing else, I want you to hear this too. God loves you. What does that mean in your life? Okay, everybody may forsake you. They may reject you. They may leave you. They may stop loving you. Your kids may stop loving you. Your husband might stop loving you. Your wife might stop loving you. Your dog might stop loving you. Oh, that would happen to my wife. Anyhow, then it would leave. You know, I, I, we, the best explanation for a dog, Eric said, it looks like a watermelon on uh, toothpicks. It's so fat. The dog is psychotic, guys. Do you know the little digital thermometers that make that little beep, beep, beep? And here's the beep, beep, beep. It goes through the door, clamoring the door, trying to get out. The dog's a freak. But listen to me. There's a certainty and there's a promise and there is a truth that anchors our life that God loves me. Perfect love casts out fear. God is love. Let us, understand, let, let us never lose. Everything else that has happened in your life is because God loves you. The reason that God sent his son is because he loves you. The reason that God fills you with his spirit is because God loves you. God loves you. He cares about you. He's concerned about you. And then the third truth is God isn't willing for any to perish. God is so Passionately, scandalously loved with humanity, that he would send his son so that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. That he was so unwilling for people to perish, he would give his son. Like, yeah, you know, I got to tell you, I might be willing for you to perish, but not God. Let's be honest for a moment, Christians. There are those in this world that we would be willing sometimes to allow to perish. Yeah, maybe it's those people in those other countries. Maybe it's those people sometimes that are on the other side of the aisle of our political persuasion. Maybe it's those people who have harmed us and been our enemy. God is not willing that any should perish. To the point that Jesus came and took on humanity. Christmas is a celebration of God taking on humanity in order to save humanity. He's fully God, fully man. Came to earth, humbled himself, took on the form of a man. So that you and I could take on the form of God. This is this radical, crazy God we serve. Truth number four. And because he's not willing that any should perish, he paid for my sin. He paid for my sin. He said, I got this. I'm going to make a payment that you can't make. Not that you won't make, but you can't make. There's a difference between won't and can't. It's not that you wouldn't make it if you could, you can't. How many of you men have been trying to pay for their sin for years? How many of we have been trying to pay for? How, how many of you ever find yourself trying to pay for sin? Well, you No know sinners here. That's probably what the problem is. You see, there was a payment that was ransomed, and all through the Old Testament, there would be a payment made. And that payment would come in the blood of lambs, the blood of bulls, the blood of goats. And that payment would be taken into the holy place. But it could only be taken in by the high priest and that once a year. And that would atone for the sin for another year. But there was no forgiveness of that sin. It was just covering. But now, but now, God so radically in love with his people and not willing that any should perish provides a payment in his son's blood that is once and for all, never again offered. It's a done deal. I receive it by faith. There is no another offering next year and another offering next year, and I don't live in uncertainty from this year to next year. I live in the certainty of the blood of Jesus that has set me free from sin and death. He paid it. Truth number five, look how fast we're going. God made a way to himself, and that way was Jesus, It is is Jesus. Talked about that high priest. He was the only one that could go into that holy place and meet with God, where the Shekinah glory would come down upon the mercy seat when the blood was offered. And the only one that could do that was the high priest, and he could only do it once a year. But now, through the blood of Jesus, the Bible says that you and I have access to the throne of grace. That you and I, God made a way for you and I to come to him. In the Old Testament, God dwelt among his people, the Bible says. He tabernacled with them. How did he tabernacle with them? He tabernacled with them in a tent. He tabernacled with them in what they called the tabernacle. But now, through Christ you and I have become the temple of the living God who wants to dwell within us. We have access to the throne of God because God said, I'm gonna make a way to me and that way to me for you is my son, Jesus. There is no other way. There is no other way. You can't get to God any other way than Jesus Christ. And Jesus was born into the world to become the, uh, what? The, the Jesus said, what? I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and that's it. That's what I learned about this God. He made a way. And the last point is God's kingdom is not of this world. Jesus never lived according to the kingdoms of this world. He never got caught up in the drama of this world. He never got caught up in the drama. He was above the drama. He didn't get sucked into political things. He didn't get sucked into the religious things. He didn't get sucked into it my kingdom is not of this world. He said, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be fighting to keep it. Why do we live as if this is his kingdom? We live in the kingdoms of the world according to a kingdom not of this world and a king not of this world. It tells me my citizenship is in heaven. It tells me the kingdom of God is within me. I look at how Jesus lives. I see it, and I see a truth about God, that God's kingdom is not this world, but one day the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God. And now these truths become, and I could go. There could be, like I could do 72 of these. But God told me it was a Christmas season and I should be nice to you. Come on, Troy. But the reality of it is, Jesus said, I came. Yes, I came as king, and I came to be a testimony, to testify to the truth. John said he came full of grace and truth. Jesus said, if you hold my teachings, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What was Jesus testifying to? He was testifying to God. He was the testimony of God. Some of us need a a refresher on who God is. And we need that refresher through Jesus. You see, these truths then become ways in which we live in this world. We live in a world where the truth of God is often suppressed. But Christ, the truth of God, but in Christ, the truth of God is expressed. Look at this scripture, John 1.18. No one has seen God at any time. God, the only Son, who is in the arms of the Father, He has explained Him. <laughs> my Jesus is an explanation of my God. Sometimes I need to check my attitude with Jesus so that my attitude will then line up with God. Anybody you ever, ever had an attitude need aligned? Anybody got a pulse out there? Anybody breathing? Some of you need an attitude adjustment right now. How many of you ever had the Holy Spirit adjust your attitude? How many ever had to read and say, Jesus, I don't really like that person, and I just as soon hate that person, and I just as soon do this and that, and this and that to that person? Oh. Mm. I heard that giggle. That's a great sound. Mama's over there going, no you laugh baby you laugh you giggle all you want I like to have giggles in church how many know giggles in church is a good thing crying will let you know (laughs) I'm just kidding Jesus was a revelation to the people of God he's still that revelation he is still the explanation he is still the witness of who God is. But let me say something to you. The problem, one of the problems in America right now, in the American church, is we're a wordless church, and we don't read the Word. We don't know the Word. Therefore, we don't know about Jesus. Therefore, we don't know about God. we got to get into the Word, man. Not because it's some memory test. No, because it's life. Hey, I told you, I told you giggles were good. Any truth of God that doesn't flow through Christ isn't truth. Christ is the truth of God. This Christmas season, I want to encourage you to celebrate the moment when truth came to man. There's an enemy who's the father of lies. Do you know Jesus told the Pharisees that the devil was their father? Ouch! Can you get an ouch on that one? How I many of you? Yeah. Hey, Paul, your father's the devil. Oh, baby. I mean, how many know that will not endear you to the Pharisees? Hmm? But the father of lies wants to portray and paint a picture of God for you, when God Himself painted a picture through Jesus, who came, and when He came, truth came with Him truth was born into the world. Father, help us celebrate that this season. Help us celebrate the fact that you sent your son and he said, I've come to be king. I've come to be a testimony. I've come to testify to the truth. And Father, we live in a day where the truth of God is often suppressed. But Lord, we would say today, that we would embrace truth. And what I mean by embracing truth is that we will not just embrace a concept or a philosophy, but we embrace a person who is truth. We embrace your Son. We embrace your Son, Jesus, who came full of grace and truth to testify to who you are. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The works that I do, the Father does. Let us, His church, celebrate truth that is in Jesus. We give you praise. We give you honor. Bless your people this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, by the way, we are doing Christmas Eve, 6 o'clock right here. We're going to be here. A lot of people said to us, what are you going to do this year? I said, this year of all years, we're having Christmas Eve, okay? And we're going to do a kind of cool thing. We've got our neighbors from Maybrook. We were trying to do something outside over there to bless them. They're not getting visitors. They're not getting carolers. We just couldn't make it work well enough for everybody, but they will be getting a something, something, something. Tell that, them. That, well, that's the plan. Yeah, tell them. We're gonna we're just trying to connect with them virtually during the service. Yeah, we're gonna somehow connect with them virtually through the service. Yeah. We just really want to bless them this year. Love you. Have a great week. Allow Jesus to testify to the truth, the God that loves you. Have a great week.